Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and five things up for review this week. It is a heavy, heavy week. So starting off with the Super Mario Bros. movie, and then Air, which is the story of Air Jordans, then moving on to Paint, which is may or may not be inspired by one Bob Ross, and then How to Blow Up a Pipeline, and finally Beef on Netflix. First up is the Super Mario Bros. movie, and this is a tough one. So I'm a video game person, but I am not a Mario, classic Mario person, because I'm just really, really bad at it. I'm bad at platform games, anything that requires that sort of like hand-eye skill coordination, very bad at, so I don't get joy out of classic Mario games, but I do love things like Mario Party, Mario Kart, Super Smash Bros., like all of that stuff very, very into. But when it came to like nostalgic, classic, old school Mario, not necessarily my jam. And as a film, this movie definitely relies on a love of and knowledge of Mario and nostalgia and things like that. The story, if you could even call it a story, is about as paper thin as the classic Mario premises. You know, Big Bad Bowser is here. Peach has a kingdom that needs saving. I mean, at least it's a little less like, oh, I have to rescue the princess and she is sort of an accomplice in it. But I also have uh, strong feelings about how they relegated her to a cheerleader effectively, which I think a lot of other people have pointed out. And, you know, not that classic Peach is the most empowered character, but could we not have done better here? I went into this with pretty low expectations and I will fully give credit where credit is due. There are a couple sequences that I laughed very hard at. And I think the music is fantastic, in part because it's basically just remixes of the video game music, which is some of the best and most recognizable out there. But as a film and as a story, it's not good. Like, I'm sorry to say it's I mean, it's not terrible, but it's certainly not good. Like I said, I hopefully this isn't hugely spoilery, but the overall premise of it is we are fighting Bowser, which shouldn't come as a spoiler. Well, that's the other thing, right? So if you were a little kid and like knew nothing about Mario or anything going into it, the film does not take a lot of time to establish that. I think it just relies on the fact that Bowser is scary looking and Mario is clearly, you know, gets the most screen time. So we assume he's the protagonist and the, you know, there are cute things and those are our good guys and, and there are scarier looking things and those are our bad guys. But it doesn't really do a ton of world building. We just sort of throw people into it. And so if you were a little, little kid, I don't know. I mean, you'd get it, but you also wouldn't get it. So it doesn't bother with that. And that's actually a little bit annoying because I think it's doing a disservice to new audiences. And again, relying on your pre-existing knowledge of Nintendo IP. And then, so we go on some adventures. We get to see characters who we're familiar with. Uh, again, not a spoiler, but Donkey Kong is in this, which I thought was good. I thought, actually, I wanted this movie to center around Bowser. Bowser became the most interesting part of this to me, even though he is the antagonist of the story. But aren't we all the heroes of our own stories? So the voice cast was also very interesting for me. Chris Pratt as Mario was certainly an unexpected choice, and I am not a Chris Pratt person at this point. I, you know, listen to some of our roundtable episodes to figure out why, but I was not as annoyed by him as I thought I would be. They do address the voice part of it, and I was like, okay, fine. I appreciate that you have uh, acknowledged this sort of elephant in the room. And then you've got Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach, who, again, fine. Charlie Day's Luigi, I thought could have done a lot more like I thought he did a good job and I wanted more because I think he did a better job of the, the voice acting and the, the stories and then Jack Black as Bowser 
you would think would be, you know, Jack Black is a very recognizable person and, and all this stuff. But I, like I said, I think some of it is just the parts they gave Bowser, the absurdity, and I you can feel some of his influence in it and them writing for him. And I thought those parts actually worked the best. There's a part about like 30 minutes in that I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I, I, this this part of it is getting me. There's also, I don't want to spoil it, but there are some, like, very absurdist things that I actually really enjoy that do not relate to the rest of it. So there are bits and bobs of it that work, but then so much of it gets bogged down in trying to incorporate, you know, hey, this is a video game, and so here are the platforming parts, and here's the racing parts, and here's all this stuff. And, I, and like, I think something like Sonic did a much better job of integrating, you know, his powers effectively, but kind of breaking out of the idea of having to be so literally married to all the elements that the game brought to it. Voice cast is rounded up by Keegan Michael Key as Toad, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, and yeah, so my thing is, I think, you know, if you're a super huge Nintendo fan, you're going to appreciate the Easter eggs. You're probably going to be willing to overlook the, you know, thinness and flimsiness of the story. And that's fine. Like, I don't begrudge you having a good time at this. I think if you're anybody else who was on the fence about it or worried about it or doesn't have a huge affinity for Mario, I don't think this is going to be for you. You know, it is a tight hour and a half, which is good. There were about 30 minutes in, I was like, oh, this is getting a little bit more interesting. But the fact that that's a third of the way into the movie is, uh, you know, ugh. And, and if you are not familiar with video games and you are not familiar with the mechanics of it and all this stuff, you're just going to be like, what is this zany overwhelmingness? Like, I don't, I don't need any of this stuff. So super hardcore Nintendo nostalgic fans have a great time because you're going to go see it anyway, I think. Like, nothing is going to stop you. If you were on the fence about it and uh, had a base knowledge of it, you know, uh, unlike Sonic, which I would have said, like, yeah, go ahead, give it a chance. This I'm like, no, you could, you could probably wait for it to be on streaming. And if you are just not interested at all, this is not the one that I'm going to be like, hey, go forth and go rush out to see the Super Mario Bros. So un- unfortunately, personally, I'm only going to give it a 2.5 out of 5. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. The next film I have is called Air, and it is the story of how the Air Jordan shoe line came to be. And I did not know a ton about this, I will admit. I think the majority, I, I'm, I, you know, the majority of my knowledge comes from The Last Dance, which is a truly spectacular docuseries on Netflix. If you have not seen it yet, I uh, please go out and watch that immediately. It is about the rise of the Bulls, but also, you know, very much Michael Jordan. So I... No, of Michael Jordan, of course. You know, I grew up in the Jordan era, but I'm not a shoe person, much like I guess how I'm not necessarily a, a Super Mario Bros. classic game person. I'm aware of Jordans. I just never got into them. So to see the story of how they came to be, how Nike rose to prominence in the basketball space because, you know, they were a running shoe before was new to me. And I mentioned this the other week when I was talking about Tetris, where I I, I saw them almost back to back and I thought... Okay, Air is actually a really good, compelling story of how basically marketing and contracts work. And I think a lot of it is due to the fact that, one, we know how it works out. And so there aren't as many stressful stakes for us because we know that Air Jordans became a huge, massive thing because they are ubiquitous today, right? And I will give, uh, this is another one, like much like Chris Pratt, not a Ben Affleck person, but I will give Ben Affleck credit for this film because he made contracts about shoes really interesting. He started 
directed it. And he stars as Phil Knight, who is the CEO of Nike. Uh, Matt Damon plays a character called Sonny, who is head of, in their their basketball division. You've got Jason Bateman. Then you've got Viola Davis as Dolores Jordan, who is Michael Jordan's mother. Chris Messina as his agent. And uh, a couple other folks. Chris Tucker uh, as one of the other Nike folks. My big thing about this is that this is the, you know, Michael Jordan is a superstar, obviously. He is the reason that Air Jordans became, you know, something that were worth making a movie about. But this is not his story. And I I kind of struggle with that because it's basically, you know, effectively a bunch of white people telling the story of a, a black man's success and the partnership there. And I'm going to assume that Michael Jordan blessed this film because it's good for business and all this stuff. And I think there are stories about how, you know, he asked Viola or he blessed Viola playing his mother. And obviously you have characters of color in this film. But I do think it is a little bit, it's it's a little strange for me to have, um, you know, him not be at the centerpiece of it. I also understand that, you know, you would have had to cast a young Michael Jordan and that is its own sort of thing. And, and they dance around it pretty effectively in the film. But it was something in the back of my mind where I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, you should, Viola is an important piece of it. And had she not been in it and had she not been Viola Davis and, and you know, gives this great performance, I, I would have had even more trouble with it. But it is worth noting that it's the white perspective on something that ultimately impacts both white and black and other cultures. But Michael, it's Michael, you know, there's a reason that air makes sense because you're like, oh, it's Air Jordan. So I, I just want to note that. But I ended up liking this film a considerable amount. I, I begrudgingly enjoyed it. You know, Ben Affleck's casting of himself is a little weird. Like, I don't know if he was, he had to play Phil Knight, but, you know, it was, it was fine, whatever. Chris Messina is great. Again, Viola, amazing. Um, Jason Bateman and Matt Damon, they're fine. Uh, or Marlon Wayans is in this. Chris Tucker, it, it, you know, it's well acted. It moves along. It's under two hours. You know how it ends in a good way. Sorry, spoilers, but, you know, you know how it ends. Um, but, but, you know, they still do a good job of building the suspense And there are things that you can learn along the way from it. So I I do think it is very successful in that way. Now, I want to acknowledge that people are being like, oh, it's the best film of the year so far. And this is that. No, it's a good movie for sure. And I'm sure they will push it for awards and things like that. But this is not going to be a life changing film. Like this is a good, solid movie that you will enjoy at the theaters or at home when it comes out on Amazon because it's from Amazon. But you know, I, I'm not like, oh my God, this changed my life. I, I think there are plenty of other things out there that are much more original and, and unique and compelling in terms of story structure and all that stuff. But, but you know, so let's, let's temper our expectations. But I do think that you'll have a decent time at this. Again, I encourage you, if you don't know anything about Michael Jordan, to watch The Last Dance first, maybe, so that you have a, an understanding of how important and phenomenal he would go on to be or is already, you know, all that sort of stuff. I have the background for it. You could do it in either order, but I, I, knowing that and having invested in that, and I think The Last Dance is really accessible for people who are not huge basketball fans. It's just a really good story. So that base layer of knowledge was very helpful for me, but you don't need it to go into it because we know who Michael Jordan is. Like, as long as you know who Michael Jordan is, just generally, you'll be fine in this. I, again, begrudgingly, I will give it a 4.1 out of 5. 
The next film I have is called Paint, and this is another one where it's very helpful if you know who it is based on, although it is not actually referencing a real person in this, but it stars Owen Wilson as a character called Carl Nargle, who has a PBS show where he paints a painting during the day, and he has a fro and all this stuff, and basically he's Bob Ross. And I think seeing the trailers from it, it presents a very different picture of what the actual film is going to be. And I didn't realize that the film was supposed to be set in effectively modern day or relatively modern day. And, you know, so I guess the idea would be what would happen if a Bob Ross was still actively on the air now. And while he is not technically Bob Ross, you know, there are, it's it's a pretty close homage. There was also a Bob Ross documentary that came out, I think, last year that was uh, interesting, and, and I think they are trying not to go in that direction, although there are sort of homages to it and things like that. You've also got Michaela Watkins, Wendy McClendon-Covey, and Stephen Root as folks who work at the PBS station. And then a lot of it centers around the idea that a young black woman comes in and is effectively sort of a challenger to the the old guardness or the, the staleness of, not staleness, but yeah, staleness of what uh, Carl slash Bob has been doing because he does the same thing over and over. And uh, Sierra Renee plays a character called Ambrosia who has a very different style. And so it's it's sort of about this character who has been on autopilot, having to reckon with what happens when a force acts upon his, you know, it's, it's inertia, basically. And I think there are some interesting concepts there at the root of it. I don't think the film explores it as fully as it could have. I think it gets kind of bogged down in trying to accurately replicate the PBS moments of it. And, you know, I do think they get that very right, the happy little trainers of it. Carl is a character who I don't, you know, again, I only know about Bob Ross because having watched his actual show and then this documentary, but this character, who we will not say is Bob Ross, uh, it is selfish and having to reckon with, you know, um, not necessarily Me Too, but just sort of treating women as equals and all this stuff. And Again, the themes are laid out, but they don't get explored as extensively as I think they could have. And there are times where I'm like, oh, I maybe would have liked this more as an absurdist comedy instead of trying to be a little bit too um, grounded at points. You know, uh, I think I saw someone cite something like Anchorman. I was like, yeah, that maybe by making him more extreme and less grounded it would have been more, it would have opened them up to be able to make a stronger commentary on, you know, the things that they were starting to eke into, you know, some of the the hypocrisy of the art world and some of the silliness of, you know, public networks and things like that. Although bless our PBS and KQED and all those types of things. But at the end of the day, you know, is this watchable as a movie? Yes. Am I running out to tell people to go see it? No, I think... You know, we see Owen Wilson in the wig and we go, oh my God, it's a Bob Ross story. And and Bob Ross is has become a caricature in and of itself. But this does not have the strong enough perspective in any direction for me to really be like, yeah, go see it in that way. But, you know, you could put it on in the background. You could also just put on Bob Ross's show in the background, potentially. But it's, it's not terrible, but I just, I wanted so much more from it. I think it, it was a blank canvas that had potential and we did not get our happy trees or our happy story necessarily out of it. I'm going to give it a 2.8 out of 5. The next film I have is called How to Blow Up a Pipeline and woo, this was a stressful one. I thought it was well done, but it is, it is 
a sweaty watch because, uh, you know, I think it does it really, really well. Uh, also, as someone who I would say is pro-radicalized in the environmentally friendly direction, it made me frustrated and angry, which it is supposed to. But uh, yeah, so How to Blow Up a Pipeline is a, about a group of environmental activists who try to blow up a pipeline. And the film takes time to explore their various reasons for uh, participating in this. And if it doesn't make you angry and frustrated at big oil and, you know, the the current dependence on it and all that stuff, like, I'd like you to take a moment and question why, uh, because I think it does a good job of giving us a variety of reasons uh, from a, a variety of characters with different backgrounds. But it's definitely a hard one. It's It's definitely, I would say, Pretty liberal leaning, although I do appreciate that there are characters in it who are are not who you would uh, anticipate being involved in maybe a radical environmentalist group, and and I think it's good that it gives those perspectives on it. But uh, yeah, again, it's it's a hard sweaty watch because it is basically like an action movie in that they are dealing with explosives and you know uh, uh, radical high stakes moments, and they do a really good job of it. The cast is really, I thought, really strong. They had Ariella Bearer, Christine Froseth, Lucas Gage, Forrest Goodluck, Sasha Lane, Jamie Lawson, Marcus Scribner, Jake Weary. This is also apparently based on a book, and so I can't speak to uh, the adaptation uh, quality of it, but I I found it compelling. But I am also probably amongst the target audience for this film. So, uh, you know, I don't think I would go to anything as extreme, but as someone who is, you know, very pro, like, hey, let's, let's try and do our parts. These folks just go above and beyond with their parts. But overall, um, I think it is a, a good, solid film. I was stressed out the entire time. So if you have the emotional capacity to take that on, because that is what I will note, you do need that. And and it's, the good thing about it is, I mean, there are characters who are like, why aren't you doing your part and this and that? But I don't think it's trying to necessarily shame the audience, which I do think is the risk of a lot of films with an environmental sort of messaging at the core of it, where you're like, hey, how do I inspire and radicalize without utilizing too much of like a guilt factor because people don't respond particularly well to guilt? I thought this was a good compelling framing of it. So I'm going to give this four out of five. And then the last thing I have this week is a series called Beef. And oh my God, you want to talk about stressful. So I am so excited that this is finally out for people to watch. It is a series that stars Steven Yoon and Ali Wong. And they get into a road rage incident, and it is about the cascading ramifications of that and the impact it has on their lives. And this thing is so deep. I am like, Netflix, are you going to pay for my therapy after this? Because I need it, question mark? Slash, I think we all could use it. Therapy is great. But yeah, I... The layers of this film. So it is about a variety of things. It is about how we deal with rage. I think it is about how also minorities and particularly Asian Americans are, you know, uh, told that, you know, there's the model minority myth, right? And that we uh, don't get angry and that we're all so well-behaved and blah, 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 and such bullshit. And that, you know, especially for women, you know, oh, like, you're just calm down and smile more and all that. It's, It's dealing with so many layers of... Uh, I think frustrations that a lot of us feel, not just Asians, but, you know, people of color, uh, again, any minority group or any marginalized community or any that can relate to this. This isn't an Asian story, but it's also very much an Asian story. There are moments where Ali Wong 
the the ticks on the, just the micro expressions of rage on her face. I was like, I see you, I feel you, I have been you, I am you, and you are expressing this in such a quiet, wonderful way. Everyone is spectacular in it. It's also dealing with sort of the American dream and independent of your background, you know, self-madeness, two different perspectives on, hey, here is someone who has their, two people who have their own businesses and they are in very different states and, you know, the, the hoops we have to jump through and customer service and trying to deal with, uh, you know, just people out there in order to try and make a living and why does it have to be so hard You know, frustrations at that, frustrations about family dynamics, frustrations about relationships. It's it's all packaged up into this incredibly intense but spectacular show that goes in directions that I was not expecting. And again, like I said, especially if you are in the Asian and Asian American community, there are additional levels to it that you will recognize, especially ironically, if you were a California Asian, like you're gonna be like, oh my goodness, they got this so, so right. But yes. Beef is a very intense, brilliant exploration of, you know, I think a a very human emotion that a lot of us are told to bottle up and the damage that that can do and like how do we express that and would we be better off if we were more brutally honest and you know what 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 are the consequences of our actions do they always have to be as wild as they are I just oh please Please, everyone go watch Beef. It's a five out of five for me. The rest of the cast is Joseph Lee, David Cho, Patty Asutake. Like, I, you know, I just cannot recommend this show enough. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.